Leadership is a responsibility, not a position. Welcome to Leading from the Front with Dr. Gary McGrath, where experienced leaders share their own brand of leadership to help you develop and improve your own leadership capabilities. And now, here's your host, Dr. Gary. I'm Dr. Gary, making good bosses into great leaders with compassionate accountability. Thank you again for joining us on Leading from the Front, where leadership is a responsibility, not a position. And today's guest is the owner of Array Design Studio, which applies best practices of construction and design to create the flow of joyful and aesthetically pleasing living and working environments through the universal design method. Well, you might wonder what the universal design method is. So let me read a quote that tells you what it is. The universal design method is the design and composition of an environment so that it can be accessed, understood, and used to the greatest extent possible by all people, regardless of age, size, ability, or disability. The environment should be designed to meet the needs of all people who wish to use it. It breaks down the barriers that we have surrounded ourselves in and removes the fear so that we can see opportunities for our next life's experiences. Her latest book is A Round Peg in a Square World, designing new opportunities in a world of infinite possibilities. She is presently releasing her TV show, Laura Minif, Lifestyle Designer. Please welcome my friend, Laura. Hi, Laura. Hi, Gary. So this is exciting. We got some great stuff coming up with a book, a TV show, and but you know what? We'll talk about that later. Let's get into how you got started as a female in the general contracting world, in the building world, in the design, and go back to the beginning on uh, how this all started. How did you get into this world? I got divorced. Ah, a new start. <laughs> Actually, I'm a nurse by degree, but my dad, all girls have their daddy story. So my dad was a fireman and all firemen have a real job besides being a fireman. And his was, he was a beautiful master carpenter, builder, and developer. And I, he had three girls and Mm. I was the oldest and I was the one that would sit on the back of the station wagon at every job site talking a long time ago, Gary, where we repurposed everything. Yeah, my job was to take all the nails out of the two-by-fours that he was removing that he was going to repurpose. Right, <laughs> right. One of the first environmentalists. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's funny, we don't think about it, but back then, and we're talking about 40, 45 years ago, but back then, they didn't even they didn't have a label for it. It was just something, I mean, materials and items and product, all that, it wasn't so readily available. So they literally had no choice but to repurpose, you know, everything that they had. And they didn't even think about it, you know, then it became a thing. Yeah. And he was a beautiful, beautiful master carpenter. And he started in the union, actually. But the things that he taught me were like, your number one tool, Laura, is going to be a marble and a tape measure. <laughs> And the number one skill you can have is mathematics. Mm. All right. Those would have not been on the top of my list if someone said, hey, you're going to go into design and construction. Right. But that was a truth. And those were really great base rules for me. And it's really 
was a passion. It was just, I loved being with my dad. And so it had a really good feeling. That brought you back to the beginning as a young, as a young woman or a girl. And you saw that, but you then went into nursing. Well, I went into nursing because I am from a fairly, I'm from a suburb in Ohio and we have very, very large colleges that cost a lot of money Mm. and we just didn't have a lot of money. So one program, what was offered locally that I could walk to was the nursing program. So, mm. <laughs> and my parents didn't have money to pay for the schooling. So I worked and went to school on my bike. You know, I have that story. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was an amazing experience. You know, what was interesting about it was I was in classrooms with people. So I was what I was all of 18 I was in classrooms with moms. They were in their 30s. I was in cl- classrooms with grandmas. They were getting their nursing degree at interesting points in their life. And as a result, they brought life, like real life experience to the table. Had I gone to one of those big schools, I would have never, I would have just gone to school. I would have put my nose in the book. I would have done what I needed to do. And then I would have graduated. But what I really got was a pure life adventure with these women. So anyway, I got a lot more out of school than I thought I would. So seeing that kind of opened your mind up into the future and thinking that this doesn't stop when I'm 22. Right. This learning, this education, you saw these role models of of the women that were doing this, right? Right. I mean, the one woman, she literally, she had four children And she said the way she studied was in the bathtub with the candle, with her book. And she said she had to focus on the book because she didn't want to drop it in the water. I mean, (laughs) but that was her only place of peace and quiet and serenity. So how did you get into nursing? How did you end up getting into this this world that uh, obviously has some warm feelings about it. Now I understand when you talk about the universal design method and you use the word joy, you know, and I can kind of sense that in working with your dad and seeing what he did and understanding there was that connects you back to that, doesn't it? Well, it really did. And the reason that was so important was because during the time in my life, when I made this decision, it was a tumultuous time period. The divorce, you know, divorces, who's going to say it was a happy divorce you know, you don't have joy in that. But what you do have is an appreciation. And that's what really happened, Gary. Mm -hmm. I appreciated where my now ex-husband was coming from. And I had to learn to love and appreciate myself. That was actually number one. So talk about another growth spurt. And Mm -hmm. that's what literally jump-started me into that next step of my life. It was a catalyst, right? It was a major catalyst. Yes, You have this catalyst, but what caused you to not go into nursing, but to decide to go into this this uh, world of building and design? I mean, it's a big shift. It was a big shift. It ended up being a natural shift. But I have four children. I was a young mom. Gary, I got divorced and my youngest was three years old. Mm-hmm. I told my ex-husband, I'll tell you what, I'll be pregnant for 10 years. However many kids you fit in 10 years, that's what you get. So my youngest was three and my oldest was 13. <laughs> so you stuck to the plan. Good for you. <laughs> I, I could, I just couldn't imagine myself being pregnant for longer than that. Yeah, sure. It was jump into the water feet first. I just knew I was following my heart. 
And I knew it was the right decision for all of us, not just George and I, but my kids. I knew it was the right decision. But now I have four young children and I'm single and I don't have the ability or the flexibility to go to a nine to five job. I had to figure that out. So my sister came over one day and she's like, we were always, there was no Martha Stewart, by the way, back then. So we were always crafty. My sister's a beautiful artisan, uh, beautiful musician. She's a vocalist. She's a, she speaks six languages. I mean, she, she's amazing. Wow. But being creative with her was very natural. And we had a really good relationship. So she, we had no money either. <laughs> Here I am with four young kids. She's younger than me, but we absolutely loved. I absolutely loved going into people's homes. And one of the ways that I learned that I could do that for free and not have to be invited was real estate. <laughs> you know, there's open houses on Sundays. Well, before I got my real estate license, my sister and I, we loved going to garage sales. So that's another way. Estate sales, you can go into people's homes, you know, and anyway, it was hysterical. But so we would have $10 in our pocket. And seriously, we found some really great finds. We thought, what are we going to do with all this junk, you know, stuff? And we were like, Let's put a business plan together. You know, we need to figure out what we're going to do in the future for ourselves and how are you going to support these kids and on and on. By the way, George was not a schmuck. He paid the child support, but everyone knows, you know, raising a child is endless. It's like turn on the water. Of course, it's more than that. 24 <laughs> seven. Yeah. So let me see. You're, you're going through this life change. You've got young kids. You're working with your sister. You're trying to figure out what the heck you're going to do next. How did you get from that point to actually you know, writing a business plan. I mean, you had to, you had to make that decision to write a business plan. Right. And I'm sure that it morphed over time in exactly what it looked like and what you were going to do. How did you get to the point where you would actually had a viable business? I mean, how long did it take you and what were some of the first steps, the first clients? How did you go about that? Gosh, I don't know if anybody's ever asked me that Gary. (laughs) Well, I was making my own window treatments back then. I was, I loved making florals for people, you know, and I just gave these things away, but we went to these garage sales and what we did decide was, you know, if we put these in a package like basket gift baskets, we can actually sell these gift baskets to corporations and we could, you know, crumb up with a business. So that's how it started. We literally came up with that business plan. Well, then I thought, well, Deanne, my sister, I was like, well, we have these lamps and we have these tables and we have these chairs that we've repainted and whatever. I'm like, can't put those in a basket. So we started to have open houses and we would invite people to just come. I put a price tag on everything, Gary, everything. My kids were so pissed. They're like, Ma, there was a table here yesterday. What happened to it? Where's my lamp? You, know, where, you, know. you didn't put a price tag on the kids, did you? They're walking around. They have a price tag on them. They literally, we had them out there soliciting. You know, we had oh, okay. They were, in sales. Yes. <laughs> they were my sales team. Yeah. Did they get a commission? Yeah, no. <laughs> no. They got food. That's what they got. They got a food, a place to live. So That's exactly right. They learned how to yeah, earn their keep, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But actually, 
my home itself, I did end up building it and people would walk into it and I had all these things for sale and they started asking me if I would come to their home and help them. There you go. You know, I'm a, remember I'm a nurse. <laughs> would you help me, you know, put my home together, pick a paint color and all that. I thought this could be a real viable business. And that's how it began. Yeah. They call that interior design. You sell, <laughs> your kids sell a, a table. And then you start selling consulting services in interior design, right? Which my guess is you did this. Did you have any kind of certification at that point when people were asking you to come into their homes? No. no. I didn't think so. No. But you had a natural talent for it. Yeah, it was. It really was. Which, again, remember, we didn't have HGTV. We didn't have Martha Stewart. We didn't even have the Internet. We didn't even have cell phones. I know that sounds horrible. I'm really old, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> you were 23 years old with a three-year-old. So let's see, in 10 years early. Well, never mind. <laughs> so you took this idea. By the way, I'm gonna. this is going to be the name of the podcast because as you talk about this, and based on what you've told me, if you've got a passion, give it away. That's your message. It's like give it away. And hopefully we can eventually find a way to make some money at it, especially in the situation you were in with your sister and your kids. So how did you then, you know, you took it, did you take, get some design into your design opportunities with people and then expand on that? Where did you go next? Well, remember, yeah, I didn't have a background in this, so I had no idea how it worked at all. So I ended up, it was like, I think I charged $50 to come into their home and evaluate it. And then I was like, well, where am I going to get the stuff to sell them? You know, great. I've got all these great ideas. So anyway, it was literally, thank goodness for, you know, these uh, big box stores that sold things at discount and half price day at the, you know, discount stores. Sure. Yeah. I literally started what's called, it's called, people get paid for this now. It's called staging. Yes. So I literally would go to their home. I would incorporate some of the things that I had found, some, some of the things that they had. And I literally would rearrange their entire surroundings, you know, move sofas and, you know, rehang artwork and repaint walls and literally just stage that home as if it was a showpiece. And they yeah. loved it. And then their neighbors would come over and anyway, it just escalated from there. And it was just a lot of fun. Then I had to get serious. So I thought, you know, I really need a job. <laughs> So my very first job right from there was I worked for a flooring guy, a floor store. This is in the 80s, the early 80s. And this is when we were just starting to go nuts on new construction. Mm. And he had absolutely no idea how to design a bathroom with tile. He sold flooring, so he didn't know how to lay the floorboard. He had no idea to how to do anything. All he knew was what his product was. Mm. Nobody thought to hire designers back then. So here I come. <laughs> in fact, I did so well. He paid me on commission only that he couldn't pay me. He said, he's like, I'm so sorry. You've sold so much. I've got so much work and I, my over, I've had to increase my overhead. And I, I thought, okay, but you want to hear something interesting? A woman walked into the showroom one day and she had a client. She was a designer, an educated degreed designer. She walked down. She's or walked in, she sat down with me and she started, we started working with her and her client, right? The client leaves. She said, wow, that was amazing, Laura. Thank you so much for your help. Listen, I have to tell you something. I have fallen in love. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> she that's said, nice. Yeah, right. That's nice. <laughs> right, right. She said, no, you don't understand. I've fallen in love with a train conductor and he lives in Florida 
and I live here in Ohio. I said, okay. She said, I just partnered up with a designer here and told her and committed to her three years that I would buy her out. She said, would you step in for me? (laughs) And I thought, okay. Sure. Right, exactly. And I'm thinking, oh, great. I'm going to be with this award-winning blah, blah, blah designer. And it's going to be little on me. Hi, I'm a floor salesperson. You know, I sell flooring and I have four children. And you know, <laughs> But I didn't even think about it, Gary. And I just said, sure. I said, yeah. My brother always says this to me. If you want to hear somebody laugh, tell God your plans. So <laughs> it's interesting when you say not necessarily a plan, but a move towards your passion. I mean, when you look at this, you, you kind of felt this. You remembered what it was like to be with your dad. You started working on, you know, buying furniture and just kind of doing all that and just kept kind of taking these steps towards it. And this we we call it a coincidence, you know, that you met this woman. Right. According right. to the secret, there's no coincidences. And according to right. our definition of coincidence, it's God's way of staying anonymous. However, there was one word out of you that made the difference. And that word was. Yes. Right. That's right. That's exactly right, Gary. That without the fear, there was yes. So when you talk about the universal design method, as you talk, it breaks down the barriers that we have surrounded ourselves in and removes the fear so we can see the opportunity for our next life experience. That I, I read that quote that you had earlier, and now I'm hearing that in your life earlier, you lived that. This is like your mission statement. It is. It really is. Real quick, one other thing. When I was had my first baby, again, I was a nurse, so I couldn't be a nurse anymore because we, back then I was a staff, what they call a staff nurse. We had uh, shifts, you know, mm-hmm. and my now ex-husband, he had to work full time. He had his own business and there was no time for me to work, but yet I had to work. When I was telling you I, I was a professional peeping Tom, so, <laughs> and I literally would go into open houses that were on the market. Well, there was one woman that I kept running into, and this is this is really how it started. She finally looked at me and she said, look, I don't know who you are, but you've got to get your own real estate license. I know you're never going to buy a house. I know that's not why you're here. It was just ironic that she was the one every Sunday for probably about six Sundays in a row, I would walk into one of her open houses. And I looked at her and I said, you're kidding me. She said, no, three weekends, go do it. (laughs) Stop messing around. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought, I didn't even think about me, a realtor. Like that wasn't even on my mind. And again, Gary, I said, yes. And I did. I went, and 30 days later, I was a realtor. Yeah. So let's let's get to the real success part. You went through the struggle and you, you, you know, get this interior design, this, you know, getting a nursing degree and working full time to all these things. But let's go fast forward now, like 20 years or so on. And I understand that uh, you were a general contractor. You were at a design studio. You know, you're really building a business. You know, talk about the last five or 10 years and and share with our, our audience where you're at in your life now, because now you've got a television show and, and a new book that's coming out. And this is great stuff. So let's fill in the blanks for the last few years and what you're doing. Well, it's an interesting thing when you're a single parent, you no matter what your status is, you go into survival mode. And I had four children. So. I literally had to be cognizant, not of just them, but myself, because if all I, and they were my world, obviously, but 
if I only focused on the immediate now, I would have drowned when they left. So I had to figure out something that would sustain me and my children and that I could grow with. And I didn't figure that out very well in the beginning. (laughs) But it was that leap of faith, literally, when I said yes to that young woman. And I ended up buying that design firm within, I was said three years, but within one year, I ended up buying that design firm. Now, I didn't buy it for much, but this is interesting. Without knowing it, I then had literally some of the largest developers walk through this teeny tiny little store in Rocky River, Ohio. And they said to me, listen, we want to hire you. And I said, for what? And they're like, well, we're going to develop this whole conversion. They were doing a lot of Cleveland is old. So they were doing a lot of warehouse conversions. I had no idea. I started with a man that came in and he wanted a you know, redo his condo. I ended up redoing the entire building. And then they had an open house and they invited all these bankers and investors. And, and all of a sudden, Gary, I was saying yes to half a million dollar deals. Gary, I had no idea what I was doing. None. (laughs) In fact, I didn't, I, the partner that I had bought the business from her husband, thankfully was an accountant and helped me, but he said, how did you get this deal? I didn't have a business plan. I didn't have anything. All I knew was what I could do for them. And I just wrote it down line by line and how much it was going to cost them. And I had an end result, though, with, you know, those first few condos. But it was just amazing. I I kept saying, yes, I didn't even know I was supposed to do other things to get the product. What the great late Zig Ziglar used to call intelligent ignorance. It was. <laughs> intelligent enough to say yes, but ignorant enough to not know how, how challenging this might be, right? Oh, Gary, I love that. That's exactly right. And again, you have your blinders on, and that's exactly what I did. I didn't have time to figure out whatever other people were doing or what the co- – people would say, what's your competition doing? I used to get interviewed, and they would ask me that. I would actually – I don't know. I have no idea. And and I can't – I don't have time to focus on that. And I know that I'm following, like you said earlier, my true passion, mm-hmm. and I trusted myself. And that was the biggest hurdle was trusting myself. So now I have had nine showrooms, which again, ridiculous. I didn't have any money to do that, but I was signing these leases for, you know, $350,000, you know, like, sure, I'll be able to pay that. You know, then I was employing people. I'm like, well, they know what they're doing. They'll, they'll do it. So that's when I really learned how to trust, let go and a ton of hope but shoot for the joy. That's I, That was my focus. Shoot for the joy. And that's what's happened. And it sounds like you had a high percentage of really good people that ended up working with you. Because if you don't, you wouldn't have succeeded. Law of attraction, Gary. I yep. proved that so much. Yeah, I really did. And, it, and those people, I've had thousands of clients. And not only my clients, but those people who've worked with me. And I hate saying for me, I don't feel we ever work for anybody. Uh Don't ever let anybody 
let you know you work for them. You don't. You're participating. You're enhancing. You're contributing. And you're evolving. And that's what I did. And that's how I grew my teams. And I didn't even know that at the time. But now those teams have expanded. They're off on their own. And guess what? We're all doing it together. So take us up to present day. What's happened to your company? Well, when I had opened up, I don't know, it was the third or fourth showroom, I had people from all over. They would literally run, burst into the doors and say, do you guys build and design? And I thought, okay, yes, we do. Sure. We yes, do. they go again. <laughs> and my, my beautiful associate, Susan, she looked at me. I'm the first woman who did this. It was hysterical. She was from out of town is what was happening. And back then, Home Depot and Lowe's had just started the big box thing. And every single person was using those maple darn cabinets and just putting cabinetry everywhere and calling it a remodel. And people were frustrated. Well, at least that's how it was here in the Cleveland area. Well, people were frustrated. Well, anyway, when I, this woman burst through the doors and Susan looked at me and I said, sure, we do. And Susan looked at me, she goes, what? <laughs> what are you? What we do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I said, the woman left and she, and she literally said, I'll be right back. She literally ran to the house that she was going to invest in, told him to stop, to stop doing the construction. And then she had come back after that to us. But in the interim, I literally looked at Susan. I said, call our accountant, tell him to set up a construction company. And she said, well, what do you want to call it? I said, I don't know. What are your initials? LJM. So we called it LJM Construction. <laughs> That's great. In 24 hours, we were incorporated. (laughs) Wow. The true entrepreneur. And I I love when you say you don't have all the details, you don't have the plan, but sometimes you take take charge of the opportunity, right? Right. I did have all the knowledge and I had all the experience. So that's where the fear free came in. So that construction company has now become my door to my new adventure. I sold it. I mentored a young man. And oh my gosh, I never thought it was possible, but he is perfect. He's wonderful. He's enthusiastic. His heart is in it. He's a mechanical engineer. So he's an engineer. They don't have an easy time always finding their heart and their passion. This man, he, the young man is just, he's wonderful. Some of us mechanical engineers do learn it over time. I just want you to know. Because I am one. engineer i didn't mechanical know and metallurgical engineer so i i had to, I had to oh, learn that whole heart emotional thing so i have faith that someday he'll get there <laughs> oh my gosh well you know what he does as a side is uh, his passion is escape rooms ah. and both of us our mentor is walt disney mm. i will say that gary that's really interesting you know because i really appreciate where you come from i don't vibrate very well with everybody especially men it's very challenging and you know, Gary, you do. You work from your heart. I love being here with you. That was really cool. Thanks. Thanks. So I want to wrap this thing up because I, I have to ask that final question that I ask everybody. And it, yeah, I got to tell you, as I listen to you talk, the question is, if you could write yourself a letter and send it back to yourself 25 or 30 years ago, what would the letter say? And a lot of my guests have said, let go, just just do it, you know, just do it. That's not what you're going to write yourself because you you lived that. You said yes so often and just took the leap of faith, which is really awesome. But what would you have written, Laura? What would you say to the younger Laura? I love you. Mm. Just I love you. the way you are. Yeah, yeah I love you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. 
Yeah. So I, I guess there's been times when you haven't felt that. No. Wow, Gary. I think so many of us. Well, aren't those the life lessons that we're going through? And, you know, and that saying through destruction, there is creation. How truthful is that? You know, I, I had fun with you today and I told you some really great stories, but there were many times, Gary, that I went through the McDonald's line with four children and counting my pennies. Mm. I mean, it was, I don't want, that's, it's not a boo-hoo story. It's a story of self-appreciation, appreciating those around you and the opportunities that we have in this beautiful human experience. Yeah. And that's what yeah. I, so I grew through that and had I loved myself from the very beginning, it may have been easier, maybe, but probably not because we're not here to get it right. You know, I, I just, I believe that we're really here to experience an adventure and keep that joy in our heart. And remember, we're in this together. And I know that's been said a lot of times, but the real truth is we are, we're all connected. Yeah. We really are. And it's, we're going to evolve one way or the other. You can either get on the train or be left behind, but we will evolve. Yes. And it's not worth doing anything unless it's fun. If yeah. you're not having fun, and that's what I said to myself every time. Okay, this sounds like fun. We can do this. Let's do it. <laughs> I don't know how. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Right. If nothing else, you get to tell some great stories. You know, it's right. Yeah. So I, I think we are all connected. And I think that we're going to end it right there because that, that message of just loving ourselves so that we can love others. And that's the way it works. It comes from the inside out. It's to love ourselves so we can love others and then be able to express that in a way that really lets people know that we care and that we're connected. And as you and I talk about this just a few days after the election and with the pandemic and all the other challenges that we have, the, the feeling that we get through all of this is a feeling that we all get a sense of this either being connected or being separate. I choose connection. I choose IGYB. I've got your back. Always will. And as my friend and I, you, you know that uh, I talk about this a lot in some of the work that we do. Once you're in my heart, once you've got that backup of IGYB, my military training says we leave no one behind. So I'm there for you. No human, no animal. There you go. I like it. Laura, I really appreciate your time, your wisdom, your thoughts and sharing your story with us today. I know there's people out there that will be inspired by your passion for what you do, but also just the ability in unknown times to say yes, just to say yes. Thank you for that, that insight. Thanks, Laura. Absolutely. And Gary, just so that everybody knows, and I know you offer this, but the people that you've drawn to you on these shows, we're all open. Anybody could call me at any time, reach out. I don't care, even if it's an email, even text me. It's not a problem at all. I'm here. Thanks, Laura. And I'll make sure they have your contact information in the show notes. I'm Dr. Gary, making good bosses into great leaders with compassionate accountability. And want to thank you again for listening to Leading from the Front, where leadership is a responsibility, not a position. Thank you and be well. Thanks for being with us on Leading from the Front with Dr. Gary McGrath. 
Remember to subscribe to this podcast on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about the work Dr. Gary is doing, visit statarius.com. S-T-A-T-A-R-I-U-S dot com. Music for Leading from the Front is provided by Peter Katz. For more of his music, visit peterkatz.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.